0: Section 1 of The Rover, Volume 1, Number 19. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Mike Manilakis. The Rover, Volume 1, Number 19, edited by Seba Smith and Lawrence Labrie. Section 1. Malvolio and the Countess, or the story of the underplot in Shakespeare's Twelfth Night by Seba Smith. According to the accounts given by one Mr. William Shakespeare, a gentleman who lived many years ago and who was said to be quite a writer in his day, there lived somewhere in Illyria a certain proud lady, a rich countess, whose name was Olivia. She had many suitors, but being a proud, high-toned miss, she would never give her hand where her heart was not. The Duke of Illyria wooed her with pressing importunity, but the burden of her answer was, I cannot love him, yet I suppose him virtuous, know him noble, of great estate, of fresh and stainless youth, in voices well divulged, free, learned, and valiant, and in dimension and the shape of nature, a gracious person. Yet I cannot love him. This same rich countess had a roguish waiting maid, whose name was Maria. One Malvolio was her steward, a conceited, shallow, important personage, who may be seen by the reader, if he will take the trouble to glance at the engraving herewith presented, standing by the side of his lady, fantastically dressed, and bestowing upon her his sweetest and most effective smiles. The cause and the occasion of this meeting and these looks and smiles according to the chronicles left by the aforesaid Mr. William Shakespeare, were something on this wise. Sir Toby Belch, an old uncle of the Countess, a high liver, and an uproarious sort of a fellow, was quartered on the rich lady to drink her wine and live on her bounty. To help him in his arduous labors, he had sometimes a boon companion by the name of Sir Andrew Aguecheek, It happened one night that these gentlemen kept up their carousing to a late hour, and so full of noise and song were they that they disturbed the house, and in modern days probably would have secured to themselves the appellation of Rowdies. "'Another stoop of wine, Mariah,' quoth Sir Toby, as the door opened, and Malvolio entered full of dignity and importance. He had been called up by his lady to go and put an end to the tumult.' "'Malvolio was not the man to be mealy-mouthed "'when he had stern duties to perform, "'and he let out upon them "'according to the importance of the occasion. "'My masters,' said he, "'are you mad, or what are you? "'Have you no wit, manners, nor honesty, "'but to gabble like tinkers at this time of the night? "'Do you make an alehouse of my lady's house, "'that ye squeak out your kosher's catches "'without any mitigation or remorse of voice?' Is there no respect of place, persons, nor time in you? Whereupon Sir Toby began to bristle up, and replied somewhat gruffly, We did keep time, sir, in our catches, and be hanged to ye." But Malvolio was down upon him again in a round turn. Sir Toby, said he, I must be round with you. My lady bade me tell you, that though she harbors you as her kinsman, she's nothing allied to your disorders. If you can separate yourself and your misdemeanors, you are welcome to the house. If not, and it please you to take leave of her, she is very willing to bid you farewell. Upon this, Sir Toby only breaks out into a new song. Farewell, dear heart, since I must needs be gone. Maria tried to hush him up, which, instead of recommending her to the favor of Malvolio, as it should have done only had the effect of bring down a broadside upon herself. Mistress Mariah, said Malvolio, if you prized my mistress's favor at anything more than contempt, you would not give means for this uncivil rule. She shall know of it by this hand. Having thus blown his blast, he withdrew, leaving the company to digest his rebuke with what stomachs they could, and to pour out their indignation upon him. "'Sir Andrew Aguecheek was for sending him a challenge to the field, "'and then to break the promise and make a fool of him. "'Sir Toby seconded the motion. "'But the roguish Maria, with a true woman's spirit, "'was for adopting a deeper plot. "'Be patient for tonight,' said Maria. "'My lady is much out of quiet. "'For Monsieur Malvolio let me be alone with him. "'If I do not gull him into a byword,' "'and make him a common recreation. "'Do not think I have wit enough to lie straight to my bed. "'I know I can do it. "'Only see how the woman breaks out again here. "'I know I can do it. "'Who but a woman would be so positive?' "'Well, true, she did do it. "'She had a right to be positive that time. "'But, Miss Mariah, how do you propose to do it?' "'Why,' said she, "'he is so crammed, as he thinks, with excellencies.' that it is his ground of faith, that all that look on him love him. And on that vice in him will my revenge have some notable cause to work. I will drop in his way some obscure epistle of love, wherein by the color of his beard, the shape of his leg, the manner of his gait, the expression of his eye, forehead, and complexion, he shall find himself most feelingly personated. I can write very like my lady, your niece, on a forgotten matter, we can hardly make distinction of our hands. Good, exclaimed Sir Toby. Excellent. I smell a device. And I have it in my nose, too, said Sir Andrew Aguecheek. Believing Maria had the matter well cut and dried, and would bring it out about right, they concluded at last to go off quietly to bed. The next day the scene of their operations was laid in the garden, at a certain hour when Malvolio would be walking there. Sir Toby and Sir Andrew concealed themselves in a box street to behold the sport. Maria had dropped a letter where Malvolio could not fail to see it, and it seems she had given him certain hints before, to put him on the right train of thought. For as Malvolio entered the garden, he was soliloquizing after this sort. "'Tis but fortune. All is fortune.' Maria once told me she did affect me, and I have heard herself come thus near, "'that she should fancy it should be one of my complexion. "'Besides, she uses me with more exalted respect than any one else that follows her. "'What should I think on it? "'To be Count Malvolio? "'Gracious, there is example for it. "'The lady of the straight sheet married the yeoman of the wardrobe.' having been married three months to her, sitting in my state, calling my officers about me, in my branched velvet gown, having come from my bed, where I have left Olivia sleeping, and then to have the humor of state, and after a demure travel of regard, telling them I know my place, as I would they should do theirs, to ask for my kinsman Toby, seven of my people, with an obedient start, make out for him, I frown the while, and perchance wind up my watch or play with some rich jewel. Toby approaches, courtesies there to me. I extend my hand to him thus, quenching my familiar smile with an austere regard of control, saying, "'Cousin Toby, my fortunes having cast me on your niece, give me this prerogative of speech. You must amend your drunkenness. Besides, you waste a treasure of your time with a foolish knight, one Sir Andrew.' Here the eye of Malvolio fell upon the letter, which Maria had laid in his way, and he hastily caught it up. What employment have we here? By my life this is my lady's hand. These be her very C's, her U's, and her T's, and thus makes she her great P's. It is in contempt of question her hand. He reads the superscription. It is addressed, To the unknown beloved. He breaks the seal and reads as follows. Jove knows I love, but who? Lips do not move, no man doth know. I may command where I adore. But silence, like a Lucrece knife, with bloodless strokes my heart doth gore. M-O-A-I doth sway my life. Nay, quoth Malvolio, but first let me see, let me see, let me see. I may command where I adore. Why, she may command me. I serve her. She is my lady. Why, this is evident to any formal capacity. But what should that alphabetical position pretend? If I could make that resemble something in me, softly, M-O-A-I. This simulation is not as the former. And yet to crush this a little, it would bow to me, for every one of these letters are in my name. Soft. Here follows prose. If this fall into thy hand, revolve. In my stars I am above thee. Be not afraid of greatness. Some are born great, some achieve greatness, and some have greatness thrust upon them. Thy fates open their hands, let thy blood and spirit embrace them, and to inure thyself to what thou art like to be, cast thy humble sloth and appear fresh. Be opposite with a kinsman, surly with servants. Put thyself into the trick of singularity. She thus advises thee, who sighs for thee. Remember who commended thy yellow stockings, and wished to see thee ever cross-gartered. I say remember. Go to, thou art made, if thou desirest to be so. If not, let me see thee a steward still. The fellow of servants and not worthy to touch fortune's fingers. She that would alter services with thee, the fortunate unhappy. This is open. I will be proud. I will baffle Sir Toby. I will wash off gross acquaintance. I will be point device, the very man. I do not now fool myself to let imagination jade me. For every reason excites to this, that my lady loves me. She did commend my yellow stockings of late, She did praise my leg, being cross-gartered, and in this she manifests herself to my love, and with a kind of injunction drives me to these habits of her liking. I thank my stars, I am happy. I will be strange, stout, in yellow stockings, and cross-gartered, even with the swiftness of putting on. Jove and my stars be praised. Here is yet a postscript. Thou canst not choose but know who I am. If thou entertainest my love, let it appear in thy smiling. Thy smiles become thee well. Therefore in my presence still smile, dear my sweet, I prithee. Jove, I thank thee. I will smile. I will do everything that thou wilt have me. Thus, full of joy and exultation, Malvolio left the garden. And Sir Toby and Sir Andrew, who had seen and heard all, came forth from their hiding place and met the roguish Maria. If you will see the fruits of this sport, said Maria, mark his first approach before my lady. He will come to her in yellow stockings, and tis a color she abhors, and cross-gartered a fashion she detests, and he will smile upon her which will now be so unsuitable to her disposition, being addicted to a melancholy as she is, that it cannot but turn him into a notable contempt. If you will see it, follow me." Now, Volio was not long in making his toilet, and Maria, having watched his movements, again met Sir Toby and Sir Andrew. "'If you desire spleen,' said she, "'and will laugh yourselves into stitches, follow me. "'He's in yellow stockings and cross-gartered. "'He does obey every point of the letter that I drop to betray him. "'He does smile his face into more lines than are in the new map "'with the augmentation of the Indies.' "'I can hardly forbear hurling things at him. "'I know my lady will strike him. "'If she do, he'll smile, "'and take it for a great favor.' "'The countess was sitting in an arbor in her garden, "'musing sadly, for an affair of the heart "'was weighing heavily upon her. "'Where is Malvolio?' said she. "'He is sad and civil, "'and suits well for a servant with my fortunes.' "'He is coming, madam,' said Maria, "'But in a strange manner.' He is sure possessed. Why? What is the matter? Does he rave? No, madam. He does nothing but smile. Your ladyship were best have guard about you if he come. For sure the man is tainted in his wits. Malvolio approaches, his face wreathed and smiles, his cap in hand, and his chin resting on his finger. Sweet lady, ho, ho, said Malvolio. Smilest thou, said the countess. "'I sent for thee upon a sad occasion.' "'Sad lady, I could be sad,' said Malvolio. "'This does make some obstruction in the blood, "'this cross gartering, "'But what of that? "'If it please the eye of one, "'it is with me as the very true sonnet is. "'Please one, please all.' "'Why, how dost thou, man?' said the Countess. "'What is the matter with thee?' "'Not black in my mind,' said Malvolio.' Though yellow in my legs, it did come to his hands, and commands shall be executed. I think we do know the sweet Roman hand. God comfort thee," said the Countess. "Why dost thou smile so, and kiss thy hand so oft? Why appear you," said Maria, "with this ridiculous boldness before my lady? Be not afraid of greatness," said Malvolio. "Twas well writ." What meanest thou by that, Malvolio? said the countess. Some are born great, said Malvolio. Some achieve greatness, and some have greatness thrust upon them. Heaven restore thee, said the countess. Remember who commended thy yellow stockings, said Malvolio, and wished to see thee cross-gartered. Thy yellow stockings and cross-gartered, said the countess. "'Why, this is very Midsummer Madness!' Here the Countess was called away to see company, but before returning she gave Mariah strict orders to call Sir Toby and see that poor Malvolio was immediately looked after and special care taken of him. Sir Toby and the servants directly made their appearance, and after bantering with Malvolio a while and witnessing his haughty air and commanding tone, they thrust him into a dark room where he was kept confined for the day. After much pleading with the clown, he obtained pen, ink, and paper, and wrote the following letter to the lady countess. By the Lord, madam, you wrong me, and the world shall know it. Though you have put me into darkness, and given your drunken cousin rule over me, yet have I the benefit of my senses as well as your ladyship. I have put your own letter that induced me to the semblance I put on, with the which I doubt not but to do myself much right, or you much shame. Think of me as you please. I leave my duty a little unthought of, and speak out of my injury. The madly used Malvolio. This letter was conveyed by the clown to the countess. The lady read it, and at once concluded that it showed too much method for madness. She ordered Malvolio to be released and brought before her. Madam, you have done me wrong, notorious wrong, said Malvolio as he came into her ladyship's presence. Have I, Malvolio? No, said the Countess. Lady, you have, said Malvolio. Pray you peruse that letter. You must not now deny it is your hand, write from it, if you can, in hand or phrase, or say Tis not your seal, nor your invention. You can say none of this. Well, grant it, then, and tell me, in the modesty of honor, why you have given me such clear lights of favor. Bade me come smiling, and cross-gartered to you, to put on yellow stockings, and to frown upon Sir Toby and the lighter people. And, acting this in an obedient hope, why have you suffered me to be imprisoned, kept in a dark house, visited by the priest, and made the most notorious geck and gull that e'er invention played on? Tell me why. Alas, Malvolio, said the Countess, this is not my writing, though I confess, much like the character, but out of question tis Mariah's hand. And now I do bethink me, it was she first told me thou wast mad, and then camest in smiling, and in such forms which here were presupposed upon thee in the letter. Prithee, be content, this practice hath most shrewdly passed upon thee. But when we know the grounds and authors of it, thou shalt be both plaintiff and the judge of thine own cause." Thereupon, one of the servants spoke up and begged that there might be no fuss made about the matter, confessed that Mariah wrote the letter at the request of Sir Toby, and that the whole affair was the result of a sort of conspiracy to satisfy a grudge they entertained against Malvolio. I'll be revenged on the whole pack of you, said Malvolio, as he rushed out of the room. End of section one.